Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Summit Cast. This week I'm joined by Dan. How are you doing, John? I'm very well, Ollie. Yeah, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. I'm good. Um, we've got a few games to cover this this episode. Um, we've got three games in total. Um, yeah, only one win, unfortunately. Um, yeah, we've been enjoying quite a few victories recently. Yeah, I mean, shame we haven't got um, Chris on. Is he? Is he off? Uh, is he watching Strictly Come Dancing on tour? Again? I think he might be, mate. He might be. It might be, oh, okay. be the theatre, or maybe I don't know. Strictly Come Alex or something. I'm not sure. He yeah, likes well, it. we know we know he moves in those circles, don't we? Yeah. But yeah, given we got beaten six 0 in one of those games, uh, Chris has seen us get beat six 0 before. So um, shame he's not here to talk about previous six millers. Yeah, you've you've had, you've seen a few, haven't you? I my worst victory, my worst victory, my worst defeat, Chesterfield away. That game, I can't yeah. remember how it seems like a long time ago now, but yeah, that was a bad one. But you've you've been to a few interesting games. Yeah, I missed the Chesterfield one. I can't quite remember why I couldn't get there. Maybe because it was Boxing Day or something like that. Maybe maybe Don't spending know. time with family or something. Don't know. It was a good. Oh, I'm not sure that was what it was, but yeah, it was a good it one was to a, miss. A good one to miss. Yeah, I think I've seen us concede six goals three times now over the years and quite interesting looking back on it I mean obviously I don't get a great deal of joy out talking about times we can see six goals but but they were all quite different um the, the first time was was back in 93 94 at Preston uh back in the days when teams had plastic pitches um and really bad plastic pitches these are old school plastic pitches and I think I'm right in saying town never ever won a game on one of the old school plastic pitches and that we, it definitely didn't change at Preston. We lost 6-1. But the thing I remember about it is that we were 5-0 down after 20 minutes. And it's the only season in the history of the Football League where goal difference didn't count. Um, and if you ended level on points with another team, it was goals scored that dictated where you would finish in the league. So I remember having a rather surreal chat with a, with a, with a friend of mine at the time, Nick, and, and saying, you know, we're 5-0 down after 20 minutes. As long as we don't finish on the same points as Preston, this doesn't matter. Right, well, why, why not? We could lose 10 nil or 20 nil. It doesn't actually affect our goal difference at all because goal difference doesn't, doesn't matter. So we, we had a surreal conversation. And of course, at exactly that point when we decided that we'd written the game off, Tan came back into it. And it was 5 nil at half time. We drew the second half 1 1. So it, it was a bit of an odd one because the game had gone so early. The second game was was a game that, that that Chris and I were both at, and we, we we've always vowed never really to talk about this game in any depth ever again because it was the worst town performance I've ever seen, and that was at Boston in 2002. It was only about two weeks before we we beat Everton in the FA Cup, and if you'd have told me that we were going to beat Everton, having lost six nil against Boston and been beyond dismal. I mean, they missed a penalty. Kevin Ratcliffe, the manager, famously said afterwards that 6-0 made us look good, um, as it could have been a lot more. Um, then that, that performance was was the lowest of the low. We we were awful. Of course, we were going out of the league. And and then looking back, we, we, we managed to beat, you know, beat Everton two weeks later. And the Charlton one is is um is a bit is a bit different again because I wouldn't say we were on the beach. Um, but what I would say is for, for, for half an hour, we, we were pretty competitive in a poor game of football. Um, but they scored a good free kick from a from a dubious tackle by Flanagan. He went flying in. Uh, and then we gave away a second goal and it all fell apart. And I, I wouldn't say we didn't try. It just felt absolutely like one of those days where everything we did went wrong. So, um, again, it could, it could have been worse, Ollie, than six. I mean, anyone who was there would, would tell you that in the second half, I just felt everything was going against us. But, um, but it, it didn't feel in any way as cataclysmic as that Boston game. You know, a lot would have to happen for, it, for anything to be as bad as that 
particular 6 0. So basically, it's, it's a slightly different type of uh, six goals conceded for me. And I don't really want to have any a fourth variant of that either. I've had enough 6 6 nilers in my year, in my time following the town. So that's that'll suffice. Yeah, um, don't look at the fixture list for the rest of the season. Um, yeah, good fingers point. crossed. We won't have any any results like that. Um, but yeah, let's um, let's close the the introduction there and let's um, jump into the the Morecambe yep. game. Eleventh of March, Saturday, um, Shrewsbury Town beat Morecambe three-one. It was one of those games where actually there was a risk it was going to be called off. There was risk of there was snow and ice and cold temperatures across the UK. The forecast on the evening was to go down to minus nine at night, which is pretty cold. Um, but fortunately, um, I did put my neck on the line a little bit. Um, a good friend of mine, um, Tom, came down from Morecambe and actually stayed the night over in the. And like before in Shrewsbury and enjoyed the, the, the wonderful town that is Shrewsbury town. He was very, very um, complimentary about the town. And um, yeah, I said to him, oh no, Shrewsbury town games are never called off. Um, and there's only been one since we've been at the Meadow um, due to weather. So luckily I was right. And um, yeah, I didn't have egg on my face. So I met him pre-match and that was great. So it was good to see him. And yeah, um, was this a game you managed to get to? I didn't get to this one. Um, I obviously followed from afar. Um, yeah. It's one of those ones where I thought we, we've got a tough run in here, but Morecambe at home doesn't fit that bill, so we should win. Yeah. Therefore, we probably won't. Um, and I was, <laughs> you know, pleased to see that I was wrong, and 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 it it looked to me like we put in a pretty efficient, effective performance, right? Yeah, we did. We played efficient. Actually, is a very good word um, because we scored three goals from set pieces, as is Shrewsbury's kind of. Operators, you know, you know how we love to play at the moment. We and obviously Tom Bayliss also did all the um, the set pieces as well, and he's obviously sorely missed from the team with his with his ankle in injury. Um, but in terms of just a couple of highlights from the game, um, yeah, Morecambe started okay. They're not a great side to be honest. Um, Shipley had a good effort saved, and then there was a corner, and it was a very odd decision by the defender. He put his arm down, and it was an obvious handball, and then Lee he steps up. And he scores, and that's ten penalties in a row. Uh, I don't think there's many players you can think of from a Shrewsbury Town perspective that has scored had ten penalties and scored all ten as well. It's quite a phenomenal record. He is the Ivan Tony of League One, isn't he? He's he's very very effective uh, from the penalty spot. I mean, back in the eighties, we had a guy called Jake Key who was a very good penalty taker, a defender. He used to step up and take them. But I don't think we've had anybody as consistent. Um, as Lee is for a long, long time. I'd invite listeners to, to, to tell me some names because I can't think of anybody who's got that sort of record. And it's not only he scored um, 10 Shrewsbury in a row, he also scored a couple of penalties for Bristol Rovers as well, um, which is, I can't remember how many, at least two or three um, for Bristol Rovers. So yeah, he's on, in good form. A um, couple of other highlights in this game. Um, Pike had an effort cleared off the line uh, and then um, that resulted in another corner. Um Bayless again took the corner, flick on from Pennington and Street gets a poacher's finish. So that was nice for him. Uh, but yeah, Shrewsbury Town, we don't like to things do things easy, do we? We always like to give ourselves a little scare. 
and Morecambe scored um, in the first half. Um, and then we had another scare, but fortunately the goal was disallowed. And then, um, yeah, to kind of yeah to kind of highlight Morecambe's ills. And when you're not doing very well, Dan, you're not doing very well. And the simplest of mistakes, bit of a mess up between the defender and the goalkeeper. Defender heads it out for a corner. Guess what? Another corner and Dunkley scores. Um, and we could have scored again. Bowman could have scored earlier on. Um, but yeah, it was it was a it was a it wasn't a great game of football. Um, obviously, you said Shrewsbury didn't score an open play. We scored three set pieces. They all count. Um, but it um, wasn't the best game in the world. It was bloody freezing though, absolutely freezing. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to the more the more warmer weather. But a good three points from home, and yeah, that sets up Shrewsbury Town now. We've won five home games in a row, which is a um, pretty um, pretty decent record. Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing with the Morecambe result and I think you hit hit the nail on the head actually there is that sometimes when you're going down and boy have we been in positions where we've, we've been going down we've all you know experienced relegations ourselves um things just don't go against you the the, the ball bounces in the wrong way and and it, it looked and felt like that with Morecambe and if you look at the league table now you know that they're, they're four points away from safety and they've played 40 games you know they're going to do really well to, to to stay up and it doesn't look like luck's with them so yeah I, th- I think um if I was a Morecambe fan driving on that day, I'd have I'd have had that sinking feeling. Yeah, did you? Um, yeah, Morecambe are currently twenty um, second in the division, thirty four points um, above them is Accrington Stanley, um, and then above them is is Oxford and MK Dons. And yeah, who would have predicted that MK Dons and Oxford would be down there at this time of the season? Um, and that's the thing; that's the beauty of League One. There's always a couple of shocks, and it would be quite. Um, I wasn't going to say funny, but it wouldn't be very funny if we went down. But yeah, it'd be quite interesting if um, MK Dons and Oxford went down um, because, yeah, League Two is a real slog. Um, and particularly Oxford spent some good money on wages. Um, and I don't think their fans would expect to be in this position at this time of the season. Yeah, I think not a lot. You know, most people who contribute to this pod would not have expected uh, um, to see Oxford and MK Dons down. I, can I just get it on the record? I, I do not want them two to go down. I live in Ascoff crying out loud. They're, they're, <laughs> they're two of my local games. <laughs> Come on, I mean, as much as I don't want to cheer on MK Dons, but uh, personally speaking, I, I wouldn't wouldn't be too averse to Morecambe and Acker and Stanley going just because they're miles away from where I live. But, but yeah, surprising stuff. But it goes to show that, you know, if football were that predictable, it'd be much more boring, wouldn't it? And, um, and you know... MK Dons were one of the sides we talked about at the beginning of the season as, as quite potentially going up and, and clearly we got that wrong. Yeah, it's, I mean, in terms of actual predictions to go up, um, no one actually predicted MK Dons. Um, but um, yeah, it's interesting. Most of us did pick Morecambe to go down. Um, yeah, Cheltenham and a few others. But um, yeah, Port Vale and Exeter were quite high on our list in terms of um, probability of going down. Um, Chris did put um, um, Forest Green as well, so kudos to him. But yeah, Vale and Exeter have done well, um, which has been a bit of a surprise. But yeah, it'd be, I'd be for me personally, it'd be sad to see Morecambe go down. Um, but there's a few teams there who've been kind of riding their luck a few years. And yeah, Cambridge and Forest Green are, are are terrible. I think Cambridge are probably the worst team we've seen this season. Yeah, and, and of course they beat us on Boxing Day. But I think Forest yeah, Green played did. Cambridge on the last day and, and they might, well, Forest Green are almost certainly going to be gone by then. But you, yeah, you think are. Cambridge might be too, but... Um, um, but yeah, they, they, then they didn't look a great outfit, did they, Cambridge? No, no, not at all, not at all. So yeah, that was the the uh, the Morecambe game. There's not too much to say about that one. Um, a, a classic Shrewsbury Town performance. You know, didn't particularly play that well, um, and unfortunately, um, yes, Bayless got injured, um, and yeah, we surely, surely lack him going forward. And let's move on to the the Ipswich game. 
Um, not a lot to say about this game. Um, we were playing a team that are spending, God knows what, four or five times maybe more than us on a budget point of view. Um, spent 3.4 million on players this season. They did sell a couple of players for a couple of million. But um, yeah, it's, there's a huge gulf between us and Ipswich. And yeah, 2 0 win for Ipswich. They look pretty tidy and they're on an absolutely superb run at the moment. They're a better team than we are, Ollie. Yeah. And you don't always lose to better teams, as everybody knows. But I think in the two games that we've played them this season, they, they've looked a really good outfit. And um, I mean, they're not in the top two yet. But you know what? I'd, I'd be quite surprised if, if ultimately they didn't, they didn't end up there because they're just keeping on going. Uh, Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday, you know, they've both got to come to Fortress Meadow for one thing. But, um, but they've, they've certainly been stumbling a bit. And I, I think Ipswich are looking odds on to go up now. And um um, and, and, you know, given what I've seen this season, they, they are, for me at least, the best team, even if they're still in third place at the moment. Yeah, I'd say so too. I was very um, complimentary about Ipswich here in the season. Ipswich have won the last five in a row. And we've actually got more points than Sheffield Wednesday in the last five games, which says a lot about their form um, at the moment. And yeah, I think I think Ipswich will possibly win the league, actually. I think they've got that momentum going. I hope you'd like, you'd like to see Plymouth go up. Because not that we've got the same budget as Plymouth and they've got a lot of fans and but they're a really, really well-run club. Um, yeah, it's good to see Plymouth kind of fighting in there with those two um, you know, huge clubs for this division and spending a lot of money. Um, so, yeah, it'd be fun to see, see who ends up in the, at the top of the table at the end of the season. But, and it's yeah, got very close, hasn't it, all of a sudden? I mean, it was looking yeah, pretty very, clear very close. for a while, but three points across the three teams now. Everyone thought it's which going to finish fourth in a three-team race because Barnsley were flying up and Derby County were doing so well. But, yeah. As we know, League One is tough um, and it's tough to keep on going. And yeah, it won't be. Yeah, these teams are going to end up on probably near 100 points. And that's quite a, a, a phenomenal, a phenomenal result for those guys. But anyway, it's which were good. It's due to Tan struggled. Um, we, we, we are running on empty, I think, at the moment in terms of players. Um, we've got had Bayliss out, obviously Odoe out, Nurse out. Um, Bennett doesn't seem to be um, ready to play. We are. Struggling, Dan. I think it's fair to say with with quality, particularly in the final third. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one, and I think we learned more about that at Charlton than we did with Ipswich. Um, because if we move on to the Charlton game, bring that in yeah. here, we had two weeks break, and yeah, I thought we looked really tired, physically tired. Now that may be because things were going against us and we were losing, but. Um, Right from the kickoff, the ball went back to Luke Leahy and he just shanked it straight up in the air. I don't know if you picked up on that, Ollie, when you were watching, but we, we, we certainly did in the away. I was like, well, well that's, that's a pretty inauspicious start to the game. And, and it actually, it, it carried on like that. We looked like we were clunky. We couldn't really keep the ball in the way that we wanted to. And Charlton didn't offer a great deal, but we once they went ahead... I wouldn't say we're on the beach. I think that's a bit unfair. I think, we, you know, those guys are professionals and they, they, they certainly tried, but that didn't stop them looking tired. It's, it didn't stop them looking... Uh, they didn't have a great deal of, you know, sort of uh, up and at them, really. And, and in, the endeavour was there, but there was no creativity to underpin it. I don't, for example, Street. I, I'd love to know how many times Street touched the ball because I didn't know as many. And it, it wasn't not trying. It just We just could not get any rhythm in our play and of course once you go two down it gets really really difficult and and you know not having Bayliss someone who keeps the ball quite well someone who actually can take us 30 40 yards up the pitch he made a difference but some of our stalwarts like Winchester 
did he do anything in the game? And I'm a big fan of Winchester. I'd, I'd like to keep him for next year. But I, I don't think he really got, you know, he really left any impact on the game. And the same with Leahy, definitely not one of his better performances. So for me, it's more of a, okay, I, let's write it off, draw a line. And I expect to see a reaction against Peterborough on Friday. But also I was a bit, I, I didn't really get it because we've had two weeks to prepare for this. And to be fair to Cottrell, he sort of said afterwards that he didn't get it either. He didn't see it coming. He wasn't expecting it. It's not a Cottrell-type performance from Tane. We've had some poor performances. We haven't lost 6-0 doing it. So I'm prepared, given the given that we got 55 points, given that we're doing pretty well in the great historical scheme of things, I'm prepared to write it off as, as, as a bad day at the office. But there does need to be a bit of a response, even if that response is that we... You know, we we lose one nil maybe on Friday, but the the thing is that we, we we can't let that sort of drift carry on. And I've got a feeling that Cottrell, although he may not be a perfect man, he, he ain't going to stand for people, not, not, uh, you know, performing like that again. So um, Friday could be an interesting one on the back of uh, of that rather inexplicable defeat, really. Yeah, what did you make of? Did you listen to Steve Cottrell's post match? I listened to bits of it. Yeah. I I thought it was it was quite interesting. He was because you were a bit less charitable, like, charitable than me, weren't you? You didn't really warn well, a few things he said. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I just kind of put a question out there because sometimes I'm not sure if I'm being biased or what I'm viewing. I did lack. I think he the thing that I thought that was lacking. This seemed didn't seem to be lacking a bit of responsibility for the result as the manager, um, and also yeah, it just seemed in terms of taking responsibility for the result. But at the same time, in his defence he just seemed quite perplexed and he seemed quite frustrated by the result. And yeah, because I, I, I didn't watch this game. I had a, a nice day with my wife um, and I didn't even see the score until later on. And when I did, I was pretty shocked because you just don't expect to see Steve Cottrell through the town side concede more than four, five, uh, but even six um, was really strange. I wanted to watch this one back and I watched it back and it's a very odd game. And yeah, any Charlton fans listening, um, no disrespect to Charlton or don't want to diminish their performance. They played well. They took their chances. Um, and they, well, they, they certainly they played fought. well once they got 2-0 in front. They were the better yeah, team. And they thoroughly, yeah, they thoroughly deserved the win and they scored six goals. So can't take that away from them. Um, but looking at the the kind of the stats in terms of like by the XG, they only had 2.2 XG. So not crazy number of X, amount of XG. Um, and yeah, in terms of in terms of like the first half, they had five shots in the first half. Okay, the second, they had a few more, they had 12. But yeah, for the first 20 minutes of the game, it was both sides were, it's a bit of a League One, typical League One fair, wasn't it? Neither side was particularly good. Shrewsbury Town, I think since um, Bayless has gone, um, got injured, we are really struggling to create anything in the final third. You talked about Street, he had 20 touches in that game. Sadie only had 27. Um, we struggled to keep the ball. Both strikers were giving the ball away. Leahy, um, Winchester were giving the ball away all the time. We can't keep the ball in the final third. And yeah, if we have an attack or a decent shot in the end, it's normally because a cr- cross into the box and, I don't know, deflection or poor clearance creates an opportunity for us. And we are, and I'm sure Steve Cottrell is very frustrated. And that came across in the post-match. He was dropping names of the Charlton team in terms of, I'd love to have him and you know, they've got this player and stuff like that. And I think... Um, Pooley on on Twitter put it quite nicely. He thought the manager's comments were honest, and he thought the the manager had player envy. I think that's where it comes down to. We'll maybe talk about the budget later on in the podcast, but yeah, we you know you look at the bench. You've got Bowman and um, you know 
you've got Street coming off who's I don't know, not a, not going to set League One on fire, and I'd be interested to see where he goes next season. And yeah, we're, I think we're just kind of running on empty. I think the same players have played a lot of games. Uh, I don't really understand I, that. Why, why, why are we one? We we're generally quite fit. Cottrell's teams have proved. No, I think we are fit. I think it's mental I mean, fatigue. Rest. But I think it's a mental fatigue, and mm. I think you know you've played football in a team, and if you've got no chance of scoring because you think your strikers are are not all there, and you're kind of lacking a bit of creativity. I'm not sure if the, the belief is there within the team. You know, when we're on that great run, we quite plucky, you know, smash and grabs and, and kind of getting those those wins in the last moments. And I just think, I just don't think we've got enough going forward at the moment. We've got more. I think there's something in it's filling in. I think Phillips is quite a useful man to have around there because he he plays in front of Leahy and Winchester. And, and you know, him, him not being there or not being at his best, as you know, would, be, would make a difference to us. I think... Both Sadie and Street were, were were isolated when when they got the ball. They 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 didn't really have the, the the ability to keep it for as long as they needed to, which was quite a long time. If anyone was going to get to them, if I'm being honest, I don't really get what's going on with Bennett. Um, I mean, you, you inferred at the beginning you might not be 100 fit, but that would make sense because he's natural for that wing back role. And he's he never plays. A, yeah, and he doesn't and play, does he? I, I what really I understand. like more, he seems a really good pro. He's I like him in central defence. Well, Moore's done fantastically like... well in about five different positions, but yeah, Bennett, he's Bennett's such a better a wing player, back. and it feels really harsh to be critical of him. But he's not a wing back; he's not even a fullback. Um, he's not. He's put some decent balls in the box occasionally, and he's got a decent left foot for a right-footed player. But he's not a right wing back. He's not a, an attacking dribbler. Um, and I think I think teams have sussed us out a little bit. Um, you know, the main threat comes from the left with Shipley. Um, and without Bayless in the middle, um, I think we're quite easy to defend against. And then, then we get sloppy and we give the ball away. And yeah, we're in our, we're, we are our own worst enemy at times. Yeah, and Shipley's an interesting one because I mean, maybe I'm reading his body language wrong, and that's perfectly plausible. Mm. But he, he, he looked he looked really tired on on Saturday. Yeah. He looked like he was really struggling. He didn't. Really I, th- I think the time, and I think this is the maybe one of the risks of having that small squad or having a small squad that's been you know hit by injury. You know, you add Nurse to that team, you add a Doe to that team, um, you add a Fit Bennett to that team um, and a Bayless to that team. That's almost the half the, the outfield players changed. And I think we've been terribly unlucky. Um, and I can understand I'm not, not going to criticise Cottrell's approach because I'd rather have, you know, the players like Bayless and Pennington and Junkley and, you know, Nurse and having all these players than players that are clearly not good enough for this level. And it's it's tough, but... Um, yeah, I'm, it, not that sure we, I'm not sure we've been terribly unlucky. In, in, in a year... You do. You do. You're I think gonna to get two ACLs is unlucky, injured. but you do get players' injury as well. Yeah. But I think you're... I, I agree with you in one extent, and I disagree. So I agree with you. We've been quite lucky not having too many like short-term injuries, but we've had some big ones to big players and possibly, arguably, our best player in Danado, technically our most effective player last season. Um, and I think missing Danado, missing Nurse has meant we struggle and having a right flank, not having real a real attacking threat on the right. But yeah, in terms of going back to this Charlton game, um, first 20 minutes, I thought it was pretty even affair. Um, even chatting to a Charlton fan, uh, a good friend of mine, I said it didn't feel like a 6-0 game. Um, and yeah, you know, you know, they scored a superb free kick. What a free kick that was. That's a peach for free kick. They scored a, a goal from Strugetown, sloppy defended, um, and they counter-attack on us. And they score, um, and then Flanagan gives the ball away. 
Um, and then Dunkley and Fanagan are unable to keep up any kind of pokes under the goalkeeper. And it's 3 0. You know, they didn't that really create a lot a crucial of chances. One. I mean, I'm yeah. standing next to Benny Harvey, who's, you know, from, you know, a key member of the goalkeepers' yeah. union. And the first thing he said is, Morosi should stop that. Yeah, on another day, I think Morosi does stop it. And 1 0 to 2 0, you could feel the wind being blown out of our sails when that one went in. And you're right yeah. about the third one. He just kept going and going and going and poked it in. But I'd say fair play to the attacker there. Um, but that second one was the key one. And that, that's where we where, where things started to drift. I had a question, Ollie, because you watched the game back and I've only seen this once. But Flanagan sending off. Um, my instinct was it might well have been handball when I saw it. But there wasn't a mass sort of call from the stands on this one. I don't think all the Charlton fans necessarily thought no. it was handball. Did, what did it look like to you? Uh, it was one of those ones where the camera and the opposition player is in kind of in way of, the, of waving. I watched it back at least four or five times because I just didn't understand what happened. I you know I'd ritually kind of, I didn't even really go on Twitter after the game. I just, you know, just had enjoyed myself and spent a bit of time with the family and yeah, look, watched it back without watching, had no preconceptions of what actually happened, watched it and I couldn't understand the, the referee signals that he said it was a handball. But for me, it was incredibly harsh, um, incredibly harsh. And yeah, obviously he's going to be suspended now, which is going to be a challenge for us. Luckily, Pennington apparently is fit, but yeah, I thought he was um, he was quite unlucky, really. Um, well, I guess what you would yeah. say is, but trying to find a you know a glass half full angle on this is you play more where Flanagan plays and you bring Bennett in at right wing back. Although, yeah, the fact he's not done it yet makes me think that perhaps Bennett's well, it, but yeah, and that's what Bennett you do. Bennett is such it? a good player. Yeah, it's been so. I assume that maybe a manager thinks I don't know want to make up stuff, but does he think that he's not quite ready for legal football, or is he not ready for legal football anymore? Um, be interesting. The proof would be in the pudding whether he offers him a new contract or not in a in a month's time. Um, but yeah, I really, really, really like Bennett. So if the manager doesn't think he's he's ready to play, questions whether he's here next season. So that's one to watch, I think. But again, second half started, and I thought it was you know if you just started watching from the second half, you didn't see the score, you wouldn't think Shrewsbury were necessarily losing three 0 Charlton, I don't think were very effective. Shrewsbury Town were not very effective either. Um, and then, yeah, 60 minutes, they counter-attack and they shoot from distance and he, he scored from a mile out. Really, really good shot, but you're not going to score that effort that, effort that often, I don't think. I thought it was. I thought we were quite unlucky there. A great, great, great shot, taking nothing away from the striker. It was a fantastic strike, but yeah, you don't normally expect a striker to score from there with two defenders in front of him. Yeah, fair call. I mean, there was another one of their goals where, one of the Lieburn goals where, I don't know what Morosi was doing positionally. And of course, we got a good angle on this because we're right behind this, behind the goal at Charlton. I, I, I think Morosi didn't have his finest hour on Saturday. And I, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm not, I'm not, no issues with Morosi. We all have days where it doesn't quite work. But I think at least two of those goals, he'll look back and think, I didn't quite get that right. So, um, yeah. so a lot of things were coming together, Ollie, to, to, to mean that it wasn't quite happening for us. But, yeah. you know, to quote that great philosopher of our time, Rocky Balboa, it's not how often you get hit, it's how you get up when you've been it. So, <laughs> Friday. And seriously, we need we need a response. And um, I expect we'll get one somehow. I, I don't think that group will will take a 6-0 line down. I can't imagine Shay Dunkley's walked into the change room saying, ah, don't worry about it, guys. You know, I don't think that's his style. Uh, and so I expect Friday we'll see something against a good Pietro team who are flying flying high themselves. And they've they've snuck into the the playoffs now as well. So they've got everything to play for. They've taken over Derby on on um, it must be goals scored uh, because its goal difference is even with both eighteen. So goals scored must be keeping them. Um, yeah, they've got six more goals. That's right. Imagine the, imagine not getting in the playoffs because of because of, of goals four. 
not even goal difference. Um, but yeah, they're they're on a good run of form. Um better's apparently doing really well for them at the moment. So it'd be interesting to see that game. But yeah, finishing off this one, yeah, I didn't I I I'm surprised it was a I didn't think it was a red I didn't think it was a handball. And yeah, Fanningham must have felt quite disappointed to get sent off there. And then it kind of sums up the game really. He's had a, a tough season planning, only with red cards. He sent off yeah. once for mistaken identity. <laughs> no, yeah, for a dicky handball. Well. Um effort from range. And it just kind of summed up our day, wasn't it? Basically, two players were kind of running towards the ball. Um, the kind of the, the charm player has a shot, and then it just lends up to their striker in the middle of the box with no one around him when we've got 10 men, and he just slots into the back of the net and kind of sums up your afternoon, really, when we can score a goal that easily. And it, I don't know, we lost 6 0. Fair play to, to Charlton, they deserved to win, but it, I don't know, it wasn't the game I was expecting. I was expect I watched it because I thought this would be interesting to watch and I need to watch it for the podcast. And it wasn't as bad as I expected. It didn't watch watching it, it wasn't a six it obviously was a six nil defeat, but it wasn't a six nil I don't know, it was just a very strange game. It, yeah, was strange it, was, it wasn't Boston in two thousand and two, Ollie. Believe me, no. we, you know, it, we could have lost twenty nil that day. We were that bad and everything about it was horrific. Charlton was just it was an odd day and things weren't going for us. And we they were very well. efficient. They, and they did. They scored, you know, quite quite you know a decent number of goals from a few chances. And and respect you to them for that. Yeah. No, definitely. So yeah, let's leave that game there. Um, I was going to say, but they had one surreal moment on the way out, Ollie, which which might might be worth mentioning quickly. And that, um, as I mentioned to you before, I I played vets football for Ascot United, and my two two kids here in the under sevens at Ascot United, and it was a big day for for Ascot United because. Um, Anyone who follows non-league football, I know Dale Skitt does, um, uh, one, one of the listeners, because he was at the game I'm going to refer to. It was the semi-final of the FA Bars on Saturday and the final of the Bars at Wembley and Ascot United were in it. So I had the choice between going to Corsham to watch Ascot get to Wembley for the first time in history or going to Charlton. Now, I think, I'm not sure I made the right choice. To be honest, <laughs> who, uh, who won the game? Who won well, the this game? is the thing. It, it, it went to penalties and there was a live commentary that Corsham provided, which was absolutely brilliant, to be honest. I mean, they're in the Hellenic League, uh, Ascot in the combined counties. This is it's not low level football. It's not Sunday league football, but it's also you know it's quite a way down the pyramid. And so I came out of the ground with a mate of mine, filler that I was with, and he had his seven year old. And we we realised it was going to penalty, so we got the live feed on on, on my phone, and we had it on the loudspeaker. And um, we're, we're coming out around the corner towards the station at Charlton for those who've been there. And Charlton fans are coming the other way, and it's gone to penalties, and and they're missing penalties left, right, and centre. Only they're in the post, written the bar. It's like the seventh takers up, and it's like three all or whatever it was. Um, and then eventually Ascot win. So so me and Phil and my two boys and and, and Phil's boy, we're all cheering. You get in, going to Wembley, and we are going to Wembley, twenty first of May. We'll go and watch. Um, and one of the Charlton fans points over and says, hey, "You're beat six now. What are you cheering about?" And he sort of realised, of course, I've got a town scarf on and my boys have got town shirts on. And to come out the ground, you know, shouting and cheering <laughs> and looking ecstatic, they probably think, you know, we're all a bit, a bit bonkers, loom. really. <laughs> <laughs> but but it was good. And fair play to Caution uh, um, for, for putting a live commentary on of a game like that. It was, it was good stuff. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Um, yes. What division is that? Is that what step is that? Well, now I should know that, shouldn't I? Um, yeah. Basically, if... Ascot go up, and they should do this year. That that they'll go up into the southern, the southern Premier South. So, and then if they go up out of that, they'll be in the National League South. But but I mean, going up out of that would be a massive leap for a club of Ascot's uh, um, resources. So um, it's so it's similar. It's a, so not far away from Telford then next season. <laughs> getting closer, getting closer. Yeah. 
I wonder if BBC Shropshire will tow down their their um their coverage now they're playing in Sunday League. But um, yeah. oh, I like it, Ollie. I like it. The claws are out. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. Anything else on the Charlton game? Um, was uh, was Shrewsbury Town fans in good fine voice? There was quite a few, quite a few of us. Well, we've been in 500. we've been in finer voice this season, but um, yeah. but I think the score will probably. But even yeah. at the end, I have to say the players came over and Cottrell made a point. So we are going over, you know, we, we, and they they made a, a real issue of standing and clapping the fans for for a what felt like a significant period of time. So respect Newton for that. It's it's, yeah, it's nice perfect. when we win to go and join the fans. Yeah. But I think or, most people I was around definitely appreciated that. It was a nightmare yeah. day, but it wasn't end of the world. We move on. That was the thing. Yeah, no, fair play, fair play to the to the yeah manager came out and was honest. Um, and I think watching the game back, I can understand more about his post match. I watched the post match before I watched the game, um, and it's interesting. It gave me quite a different perspective. And and also, I think it's just worth pointing out. Actually, you know, we've had a fan, we're having a fantastic season. We're we're doing fantastically well. Steve Cottrell's done a fantastic job. Um, does this result change your perception of him as a manager? Well, I, I quite like the fact that he, he sounded a bit bamboozled. He said he'd never been beaten yeah. 6-0 before. And, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think that's not a bad thing. If he went into the game thinking we're going to get beat 6-0, I'd be a bit worried. Um, and so immediately after a game, you know, I, I think he just he was, it was a pretty honest reflection of, of what yeah. happened. And most of us were sort of scratching our heads. So, I mean, we are 10th. I'll be disappointed if we don't finish 10th, even though we've got a tough run in. And let, let's put that in context for where we've been over the last few years. It, it's not a bad season, whatever happens. Uh, and certainly we've had some very good away days that I've been at, um, which, which will remain equally as long in the memory as, as that as that very bad one at the Valley. Um, yeah, we've, we've lost six now. Yeah, like, it, 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 it doesn't really matter. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't really matter, does it? We've done, we're having a good season. The players have done particularly well. Manager's done a fantastic job. Yeah, it's one of those results. She's got, you say, you put it to put it to bed like we're going to do it here, and then you move on to the next one. And there's a, we've got a very, very tough run of fixtures um coming up um so yeah let's look at that back look at that and look at a little bit of salad news train turner watching got in front of him every day lovely ball in the main hand goal it's uh still there still alive for harold harold pulls it back so salad news um next season we've got a new kit and the club have announced and they're selling off the current kit and for cheap. Um, Rumour has it, um, I feel like one of these young kids, Dan, I'm maybe a little bit in the know. I hear that maybe um, we will have a new sponsor next season. So I don't know whether that obviously that triggers a new kit as well. But a lot of people saying, oh, we should have the same kit for two years now. But sadly, I think those years have gone now. I think most clubs will have a new kit every single season to make a little bit of money. Not that it makes you ten millions, but yeah, every penny counts. I just hope um, it arrives at some point in August rather than, I mean, you know, COVID's gone, supply chain issues. Yeah, there's no excuses just, for that anymore. Yeah, just get yeah. the start of the season. Yeah, yeah fingers crossed. Well, fingers crossed we can get rid of the Bristol City away kit as well. And um, we can have proper kits for the, because yeah, the last two years have been quite shambolic. And yeah, if, if Glyn's with, Glyn was with us now, he'd be certainly making comments about um, the kit and the shambles and not accepting the, the bullshit excuses that we get. Um, so yeah, so that's that to look forward to. And then in terms of the rest of this season, um, fixtures, Dan, look mm. pretty tough. So who they have we are. got for the rest of the season? Yeah, no, I, again, I, I think we, I, I want to be in a league where I'm, I, we're playing good sides. Um, 
who are bigger and you know sort of nominally better than us so playing Sheffield Wednesday for example I love playing Sheffield Wednesday because they're a massive club and we don't do that badly against them playing Bolton Wanderers not a really big club you know do I want to play Bolton Wanderers do you want to play Boston United I want to play Bolton Wanderers so, so in a way it's great having these big clubs on our horizon and it's great knowing that even a worst case scenario means that we'll be playing most of them again next year because we got 55 points so the glass is really half full there having said that We've got what we got left. We've got um, eight games left. Ollie, is that right? Um, and I'm not expecting us to get too many points. If I'm being brutally honest, no. I mean, I, we, as you said earlier, we've got five home wins on the bounce to look back on. That's good. We're clearly um, a tough side to beat at home, but we and, we and we've got more home games left than we have away. You know, it's it's a five-three split. But the home games, if you look at them, you've got Peterborough in the playoffs going well. You've got Pompey. Um, picked up under their under their new manager. You got Plymouth. Well, they're top of the league. You got Sheffield Wednesday. They're nearly top of the league. And then you got Bristol Rovers. And Bristol Rovers, of course, the last of those five. So that it couldn't get much tougher. The away games. Well, let's throw in Bolton, who just battered Plymouth four 0 at Wembley, and are also flying high. And Barnsley, who beat Sheffield Wednesday the, the other week uh, um, to, to, to really cement their place in the plus. So it, it couldn't get more difficult. Is is what I'd say. Um, but we should view it as a challenge. Um, to, to, to measure ourselves for next season. It's an opportunity for Cottrell and us to really look at where we are with not that much pressure on. So I think there are opportunities in this running, but I don't think that will necessarily translate into, into too many points. Now, for what it's worth, and the answer to this is probably not worth much at all, we did have a look, didn't we, at, at what we thought might happen. And my, my guess is over the for the results of those eight games led to us coming out coming away with seven points so maybe I'm too pessimistic but I put um, Bristol Rovers at home as a, as a game that, that if pushed I'd say we, we'd win and also Peter I, I think on Friday we we're going to come to the party a little bit and 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 respond after that Charlton drubbing so I, they're the only two games I had us down as winning um, Ollie what you were a little bit more optimistic yeah I was a little bit more optimistic um, I think yeah, I thought I thought a draw against Peterborough um, lose away at Barnsley, lose to Plymouth and lose to Wednesday. Um, but I think we're going to pick a couple of wins. I think we'll get a win against Pompey. Um, I think we'll get a good result against them. Don't know why, just do. And then I think we'll beat um, Bristol Rovers at home. And I think last day of the season, um, I think it, I think we'll get a draw away at Lincoln. Neither side will have anything to play for. And we'll get a few points and we'll get nine points. So, so we had a question on, on Twitter from Kevin Pugh. Will we get to 65 points? I think we'll get to 64 points. Um, you think you will, we'll get to 62 points. I'm not sure if 62 points were enough to keep us 10th down. I think you may be right. But I should say, predictions, you know, given how much football I watch and how much I obsess about football, I'm rubbish at predictions. You could almost say the one thing we won't do is end up with seven more points than we got now, because that's what I predicted. But but I, I think 65 is, if you offer me a spread, I'd be going south of that. I don't think we'll be yeah. getting 65 points. But no. we've not done too badly against some of these better teams. We've beaten Bolton at home. We were competent at Plymouth away. We lost, and we were, but we were one nil up for a period of that game. Yeah. And we lost 2-1. Um, and going back to the 6-0s, I'm obsessing about these things, um, we've never been battered 6-0 by people at the top of the league. It's always caught me a bit off guard, the, the, these big defeats. And you know, all the sides that we've got coming off, well, they shouldn't catch you off guard. We know they can play. So I, I think there will be a couple of odd results in there. I just, just don't know which ones they'll be. Yeah, there definitely will be some odd results. And there's odd results going on at the moment. So Barnsley lost 3-1 to Exeter and they've been in fantastic form. 
I watched the Cheltenham 2, Sheffield Wednesday 2. That was a fantastic game of football. Cheltenham yeah, um, were unlucky. They brought on, it's really funny, you know, sometimes people go, oh, you know, managers bringing on certain players. Why are you bringing on a, I don't know, a defender um, when you need to win? They, they brought on Flint in defence and the, he completely changed the game. And they basically, from when he, he came on, they won 2-0. So, yeah, and yeah, and they lost obviously to Forest Green Rovers as well. So it's, it's it could go bonkers. I think you know, it's, it, the fun thing is, and the thing that makes it quite entertaining is that we're going to have a little say who's going to go up, and we're going to have a little play. And you know, Cottrell and the, and the players, Dunkley and Leahy and stuff. I'm sure we'll get the players going, and I'm sure there'll be a few surprises in there. So yeah, some games to look forward to for the end of the season. Um, any comments on the last fixtures before we look at who's potentially coming up and who's coming down? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I, I, I know just from my own experience playing football, I find it. I can't imagine a game where I cross the white line and don't try and don't give it 100%. So I get this on the beach line. I understand what people are saying, but players have got contracts to play for, either with us or next season elsewhere. Um, and there's too much on this for, for players now to cruise into, into the summer. So I wouldn't expect too much of that. I, I think there'll be plenty of players with plenty to prove. And, you know, Dunkley, you play Sheffield Wednesday. I, you know, that'll be one game. He won't want to turn up and look like he doesn't care. So, I, you know, I'm sure there's lots of that going at Luke Lee. He's Bristol Rovers again. I'm sure, I'm sure he'll be keen on that one. So I think there's plenty to look forward to from a time perspective. The great thing is we definitely will not be going down at the end of it. And you don't always say that at the end of a season when you're a Shrewsbury Town season ticket holder. No, we're not this many games to go. It's been a it's been a breath of fresh air, and I think that's almost reflecting back on the the, res, the result um, against Charlton. Is we still had a good season. We're still having a good season. Yep. Um, talking to teams that are not having a very good season. Um, there's yeah, the relegation fight in the championship is pretty tough. There's probably seven teams, probably arguably in it, up to QPR. Um, I think Wigan. There's a good chance Wigan will come down. They might get a points deduction as well. And for not playing wages on time, and Blackpool, Huddersfield, Cardiff, Reading, Rotherham down there. I'd like to see Rodden stay up just so we don't have to play them again. Um, and yeah, Queen's Park Rangers. So there's a few, a few, um, well, there's one Southern team, two Southern teams in there. And I'm sure you'd like to see both of them go down. Yeah, I mean, I find it really interesting. It's, it's, it's a fascinating sort of scenario there at the bottom of the championship. And of course, Reading haven't been deducted six points, you know, really chucks them right into the middle of it. Um, and Reading played Huddersfield on the last day of the season, by the way. So that, that, that could be an absolute jaffer. That could of be an game. interesting one. Yeah, but you're right. There's a few teams there I really don't want. I've got no great love to to see us play, you know, players play Wigan. Rotherham, absolutely not. Um, I don't want yeah. Wigan coming in this division, like, and with all their money problems and God knows what else comes with them. Well, they'll reincarnate again like they always do and suddenly yeah. have shed loads of money for the season they're in League One. But, you know, I, I don't want Wigan to come back. I don't really want Blackpool. To be, I don't dislike Blackpool, but I, I just feel like we've done Blackpool. Been there, been there before, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Huddersfield, I have seen us play in Huddersfield in the 1980s, but I've not been to their new ground, so I, I wouldn't be averse to that. Um, but, I mean, for me personally, uh, Reading is, is a very local game for me. I'd like to see them come down. I haven't seen us play at that stadium and also QPR, um, I've not seen us play at Loftus Road. Um, so um, I quite like that. And QPR are really, really struggling. So um, I think there's a lot of football left in that. And, you know, three of any three of seven, are, are it's, it's still possible uh, that they yeah. might go down. So. Yeah, that's interesting. Then looking at the other end of the scale, and it's always funny, isn't it? You know, our League One, we've been in League One for years and we played so many different teams because you get, obviously you get three teams come down and four teams come up. Um, which I always find a bit strange that there's so many between League One and League Two. Uh, but you've got Leighton Orient, who probably going to win the league, seven points clear. You've got Northampton second, Stevenage, Carlisle, Stockport, Bradford, 
um, and Salford in, in the playoff hunt. Um, yeah, a few teams we haven't played there. Obviously, Northampton, uh, a bit of a, a Rotherham, um, kind of a bit of a yo-yo side. Um, Carlisle's always an interesting away tie. And another another couple of Southern teams there for you as well in terms of Leighton Orient and, and Stevenage. Um, yeah. Salford and, and Stockport are interesting as well, obviously, in terms of obviously their ownership reasons. Um, could be interesting if those, those teams go up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, unlike in the championship, there's none of those teams where I say, yeah, that that, that one really appeals. Um, that, that they're all teams that we've played and and, and they're all teams that we, we we feel are more or less at our level. Um, I, I enjoy going to Valley Parade. It's a, it's a great old ground that's been modernised nicely. So I wouldn't mind seeing Bradford come back. Lake Norient. Um, I've always, always had a soft spot for Omar Beckles where he was a much underrated footballer who was never played in his correct position really at the time. And he's no, in Lake never. Norient now. So, you know, and, and Brisbane Road is a, is a good place to watch football so I'm open on that one um yes yeah, Stockport and Salford well you know they, they've had a lot of money thrown at them haven't they and, and instinctively I, I don't really welcome that you know I mean it's it, it, it's not as if they're, they're doing a Wrexham but but certainly they've you know that they, they've benefited from having more money than most so I mean I, I, it's not an issue if they come up for me but I wouldn't put them as top of the pile I'd rather see Lake Norient um and possibly Sutton of all people because I, I I assume we've never played Sutton in a competitive game of football. Where's Martin Berry when you need him? He'd know. But um, um, but Sutton would be an interesting one, if only because, um, again, I, I don't think we ever played them and it'd be somewhat different. Yeah, no, some interesting games there. It'd be interesting to see um, who ends up in the League One, something for us to keep an eye on as we get to the end of the season. So we're tempted to maybe talk about contracts um, at this point of the, the podcast. We thought, actually, let's wait for, for, for the other lads to join us and we can have a bit to get their view as well. It also sounds um, a bit like we're on the point. beach, doesn't it, Ollie? We're talking about <laughs> contracts with nine games to go or eight games to go, so we should probably avoid that one. But yeah, yeah. but it's worth just pointing out that um, no contracts have been signed, so nothing has been signed. Even players that have been uh, basically saying they'll be here next season, nothing has been signed yet. So that's quite interesting. Um, and yeah, there's a number of players that have got contracts to play for. Um, so yeah, you know, I think, like you say, you know, whether you're fighting for a contract to Shrewsbury or a contract somewhere else. You know, um, everyone watches these games these days. They'll have analysts and, and the stats and stuff. So, yeah, players can't rest on their laurels. Um, so, yeah, players have got stuff to play for, Dan. Yeah, I mean, and Pooley Shrew asked a good question on Twitter about, you know, what, what's the strategy here? Do we build on what we've got and try and have a more ambitious budget and bring more players in? Or do we sort of settle for where we are now in in terms of we we don't we don't sort of break the bank uh, we, we don't we don't speculate too much we we continue to look for players who can keep us where we are and and much as I think it's a great question but I, I think the answer is pretty simple we, we we spend as much as we possibly can within the confines of a budget that's vaguely sustainable because whatever we spend you know. There's going to be three or four yeah. clubs, and at least three or four clubs in our division next year who will be spending three or four times what we spend. So I don't think we're ever going to be able to, to, to outbid people. But I do think Cottrell's got a foundation here to do a little bit more. And particularly, yeah. as you mentioned, we two of our better players not played all season. And now they, fingers crossed, will be back. No, I, I agree with that. And um, we've got a number of fringe players, players like Bowman, Pike, mm. You know, maybe you get, maybe you sign someone and you sign someone a little bit better with that money, and we have to be super efficient, don't we, with our spending? Um, whether we carry on with the small squad mentality, I think we have to get lucky with loan players as well. 
Um, you know, I think our loans have done pretty well this season. Probably say I think also more. the small squad's about money, isn't it? I, I, yeah, I, the, I yeah, of course it is. Yeah. The small squad is about money. It's about you know rather than spending I don't know two and a half grand on a player and having forty players or something or you know whatever. Um, yeah. We have you know we send we probably maybe give people you know money that people go oh how should we paying for that well we're paying for that because we've only got him we haven't got three others. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I think I think we've got some really solid foundation. We've got some really good players on contract next season. Bayless um, being one, Dunkley being another, Flanagan being another. Um, so we've got um, some good players. So I'm hoping that we can, you know, the manager can and the, the, the squad can, the staff can do it again, sign some good players, um, add to what we've got. And you never know, you know, I think finishing mid-table could maybe help us in the loan market as well. You know, mm. a bit more of an attractive proposition, less likely, fingers crossed not to be in a relegation zone. So maybe we can get a few extra better loan players and who knows what we can do next season. But yeah, the summer will be interesting. But yeah. yeah. All, all, but there's also a couple of really interesting ones, isn't there? What, I mean, Aidan O'Brien, what, what on earth happens with him? Yeah. And I think things like that are quite important because if, if we can free up yeah. the wages that he he, he demands, then um, that, that will change things elsewhere. I've forgotten all about him, but yeah, he is certainly on the list for players next season. Um, and yeah, we'll have to do something um, about him as well. So yeah, any final thoughts, Dan? No, I didn't say I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, to, to, to the next month. I mean, we're going to play a lot of football. We've got a lot of games to fit in. Um, we're not going to win every one of those games, um, but I think there's some intriguing um, encounters and we'll learn quite a lot about our squad then. And I think that'll be quite useful for Steve Cottrell moving forward. And um, yeah, yeah. The weather's going to be a bit warmer, Ollie. You know, we won't be freezing at football grounds, hopefully, um, through April. And so, so, yeah, bring it on, really. Yeah, you're right. In terms of games, there's like two Tuesday games. There's a, a Monday game and a Friday game. And we play on Sunday on the last day of the season. So, yeah, we're playing on most days of the week in, in the last last section of the season. So, yeah. And um, thanks for joining me, Dan. Great, great having you on. Always a pleasure, Ollie. Always a pleasure. And, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. And, um, yeah, we'll be back again in a couple of weeks so, to cover the, the last few games. Cheers, guys.